Hi everyone, great to have you here. You're listening to the Ask For More podcast. I'm Zara Janjua and today we are going to be joined by comedian, BBC Radio Scotland presenter, actor and viral hit sensation Ashley Storey. She's currently starring in Up For It on BBC Scotland, so you might have spotted her in that too. Joining us is Lynn Kennedy, MBE, entrepreneur and founder of the Business Women Scotland magazine. Now, Ashley first performed stand-up at the Edinburgh Fringe when she was about 13 years old and her Harry Potter parody has over 24 million views online. Ashley no doubt has a voice and presence both online and on stage. Lynn collected an MBE at Buckingham Palace last year for the work that she does to promote women in business. And she's had the most incredible varied career from being a set designer to launching a successful career in the publishing and events industry. And she is now an advisor to the Scottish Government. Today, we ask for more voice. We hear how these women found theirs and they give us their top tips on speaking out. As always, we finish with some inspo quotes. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ask More podcast. Um, it's great to have you both here. I think you're both quite local to Glasgow. We're recording in Glasgow, which is quite nice. Is that right? Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm local, 10 minutes away. Where are you best? Oh, I'm up at the posh side of the city. Oh, me too. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Like, I'm not. I'm very adjacent to Maryhill. There is <laughs> no such a thing as posh Glasgow, isn't there? Well, oh, there so. definitely is. So. <laughs> Well, I'm from Greenock, so it's definitely posh. Oh, that's posh, yeah. <laughs> and have you been to Greenock? <laughs> that's posh. I did a pole dancing class once in Greenock. Did you? Yeah, it was really good fun. They taught me how to spin. I didn't enjoy that. I got seasick, but it was a fun time. We are here to talk about speaking out and using your voice, which is something that I think that both of you do incredibly well. Um, and I think that sometimes when you do um, start to think about how you use your voice effectively and what your voice is and who you are, sometimes it brings you to thinking about the times that you haven't had a voice or you've not been able to speak out or you've had your light dimmed Ashley's smiling at me now when I've said that <laughs> I just imagine that I like I'm a wee lamp and somebody's turned down my dimmer switch <laughs> but um, I wonder Ashley is there a time that you remember in, in your life where you felt like you weren't able to, to speak out or that you've not been able to um, I think because um, I grew up working class that's often been something that I've felt very self-conscious about and specifically how my voice sounds um, I know I don't have the, 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 the nice private school voice despite having my parents spend that money to try and foster that in me but the I've Glasgow still, University voice yeah. I don't have that and I've still got quite a, a I've got a cut of scum as I like to say <laughs> in, my, in my voice and I feel like a lot of times when I, I speak or when I'm trying to make myself be heard yeah. that I can sense people automatically dismissing me because I gesticulate quite a lot which is a working class trait or because I don't have the perfect accent and I think a lot of the times I felt the most self-conscious or the most like my voice wasn't being listened to is when it, w it was because people were underestimating me because of where I grew up. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think things are changing now? Because there's definitely this movement, and, and we see it a lot online um, and in media, on TV. They want really authentic voices now. And I think we're moving away from that classic kind of BBC broadcasting voice to something that we want We want to see real people in real scenarios, real situations. What do you think, Lynn? No, I, think de I definitely think we need more kind of real people real situations and the people people actually then gravitate towards them because they feel more comfortable chatting to them i think sometimes when you go into situations and walk into a room and it's all very bbc well bbc like round the table it puts people off it's a bit like going into 
cruise when you know you've only got five pounds in your pocket and you're not wearing the right kind of gear but you want to go in and you've got the money there but you want to go in and buy something you feel slightly intimidated so I definitely think it's um it's good for everyone just to be themselves and you instantly just become very aware of yourself don't you but I'm, I'm, as well as something it can also be someone that takes away your voice mm-hmm. yep and is that something you've experienced you were in quite um a controlling and unhealthy relationship for a while and that's that that at that point at that point made you feel like you weren't able to to speak out or to to have a voice i was always in control of me and who i was fortunately i never really lost that it was just more i, I think he could i think he just always tried to put it down so you didn't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to say what you wanted to say and eventually that does wear you down mm-hmm. so I feel like it's amazing that we that we let people take that away from us sometimes you know that um you can feel really confident and you can feel like you know who you are and you've got something to say but there can just be that one person in the room is that like when you're doing stands up Ashley do you ever just see that one person and you know they maybe throw you off because they're not laughing or they're staring you down yeah I'm, I'm, that ha- it happens a lot but that can happen in the street like I can decide I remember very specifically I thought it was a hot hot day and I thought I'm going to wear my short dungarees without leggings on underneath and I know I have the whitest legs in the world that the sun literally bounces off my shins and burns your retinas but I thought I'm going to do it and I remember walking out the house and this very put together lady just looked me up and down and she gave me you know that look that another woman gives you that just makes you go oh and it makes you crumble on the inside and I remember just feeling feeling I don't know why I don't know why that one woman's opinion would matter but mm-hmm. and, and do you know what? another example I put a lot of content up online and it takes me a good couple of weeks to talk myself into posts and stuff I've made mm-hmm. like the Handmaid's Tale video that I made um, it's had millions of hits it's done really well it really launched my career on BBC3 it did really good for me but it, that sat in my hard drive for about six months because I was so scared to put it up because as soon as I post something, there will be, and it's it's not all men, but it's always a man, and he, he'll say something like, I told you before, you're no funny. <laughs> and it's just a stranger. And for some reason, that's that, that stranger feeling the need to straight away wait for me to post something to tell me, you're not funny. Like, that's the first comment I'll get every time I post, is that person waiting to tell me, you're not funny, that that's their life. And that used to make me feel so bad and so self-conscious and then my mum said something to me she said why would you listen to a stranger's opinion over me mm-hmm. I'm your mammy I mm-hmm. love you why would you care what a man who doesn't know what you thinks and it kind of I, I, I say that to myself I tell myself what my mammy my mammy loves me and that's fine and my daddy loves me my pals love me so if a stranger doesn't love me Oh well, it's it's making that choice, isn't it, to listen to the positive reinforcement rather than having because it sits with you when people say nasty things to you online or, um, you know, are rude or or they they do challenge you in that way. It's I I go over them and over them in my head, and I think it can be really hard, especially if you if it does knock your confidence. You're a lot more resilient, I think, with it, Lynn, aren't you? I think it changes with age because I'm now coming up for the grand old age of 51. No but, way. But going by what... Look you... at your baby skin. How is that possible? <laughs> Do you look fantastic, Lynn? You know? <laughs> Gee whiz. I've, I said today I've got a face fit for radio, but thank you, girls. <laughs> um, I think it's a case of once you get older, you forget about 
all the negative people and you just surround yourself with positive people and you you've got your own friends and you've got your own family and if somebody doesn't like you then it's their issue you just mm-hmm. walk away and it's the same with work mm-hmm. i try and always surround myself and i work with a team of people that we're all batting for the same business same team we've all got each other's backs and it's good so mm-hmm. it's i think it's just an age thing that you eventually learn just to move away from people that are negative in your life I mean, it's hard, I think, when you're online and especially because a lot of what you do, Ashley, is posting these incredible videos and they do really, really well. I mean, like millions upon millions of views, 24 million views, was it, for the... um I love your Tanya Potter. Yeah. I just love, I love, love, love them. Um, you know, and they do incredibly well, but with the good comments obviously comes the bad. Yeah. Um, do, I mean, what are some of the worst things that you've had to experience online? I, I think it, it, it is just... It's just the idea that a person's sitting in their house. And do you know what? I, I, I can empathise with them because before I got into comedy, I was alone in a room and depressed for about six years. And I was very into conspiracy theories. Like, that was all... I was, <laughs> Maybe that was why. I, I, was were... a, I was a neckbeard. Like, I was fully I was fully committed to it. And, and I was very weird. And I would get very angry about things like Star Trek being remade. And I would like like write letters to J.J. Abrams saying you're ruining my childhood like I was that person so I understand that that comes from a darkness in yourself Mm -hmm. and it's not really reflective of the work that you're critiquing Mm -hmm. it's more just you pouring out your own insecurity onto somebody else and I get that and I try and empathize and I try and see it from their perspective Mm -hmm. but when it's somebody this is the thing that bugs me the most is I'll post a video and somebody will tag their friend in it and their friend will and they'll think it's funny and their friend will write mate I can't watch that she's too ugly like they can't even get to my comedy because they can't get past the fact that I'm not sexually appealing to them and that's the thing that I can cope with people going I don't think that's funny or people saying she annoys me her voice is annoying because I get that I might not be funny and I might be annoying to some people but not even giving me the benefit of the chance because you don't think I'm pretty but who are these people and I mean these are exactly the kind of people you try and avoid in in life that have so much hate and just like no time for you're not stereotypical and that's the thing you've got to fit into the box now because social media and everything makes it that we've all got to look a certain way and if you don't look a certain way then that's it but i feel like that's the best thing though is that even though that that people say things like that but the best thing about it is i recognize that my weird face does me well (laughs) well, that's your money maker (laughs) no but my face that might not be typically pretty in the typical sense I stand out in a room full of cat dealies and dailies. I, I stand out as different looking and, and people will remember me and people will go, remember that funny lassie who looked a bit like a hot Hagrid? And I'll be like, make my money. And it's 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 like, it's. I, th- I always think you can't be vain and funny. Yeah. I think you can't be truly funny and truly vain. I think you need to pick one and, and run with it. And that's whatever That's a conference thing as well, that you feel quite unique because... So many people now morph into each other because we've all got the same Botox or fillers or getting your eyebrows done and everything. And everyone just looks like a clique of each other, really. It's the lips at the moment that I can't get past. And I'm certainly not um, dismissing anyone who chooses to get done because I think you absolutely do what you want to do. But I just am noticing with lots of young women especially that they all have... Basically, I'm jealous. They've all got fabulous lips. I want some (laughs) fabulous lips too, but they are all very similar. You know, these really pouty... see if you were going to get, like, surgery 
would it not suit you better to do something cool, like get like a donut on your head? <laughs> <laughs> or get horns? <laughs> like, like, if you're going to go for it, I think. What, have a USP? Go for it, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I could maybe hook you up with someone if you like. If you're looking for a donut on your head, I might know someone. <laughs> But it sounds like you've you've really like embraced who part of, of, of having a voice for you is understanding who you are. Yeah. And Elin, at what, what point did you start to feel like you absolutely know who you are and that you have a voice and you and you want to use it? Do you even have a way of describing what your voice is? I think when um, business started to work and then I realised actually there was a need for supporting women in business. I think that was really key. And then we realised that we when we were hosting events, there were so many women suffering from confidence issues. So for me, it it felt like it's not just me that has these issues. Other women are all the same. So when you get a group of women together and it's all in business, it's a great um, it's a great uplifting moment as well because you then realise you're not alone because being an entrepreneur, running your own business is a very um, lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it was um, probably at the point when the magazine started when it was Business Women Scotland. And the magazine's been doing incredibly well. And you do make a point of featuring some incredibly inspirational women on it as well and giving them a platform to have a voice. Absolutely. How important is it to you then, because I know you do a lot of the, the road shows, you do road shows now, um, and how important is that to you, um, not just as, as a business, but personally in, in helping you frame what you do and use your voice? The road shows work really well because it's an extension of the magazine. So we take experts from the magazine and we bring them into the onto the stage and basically we're bringing about 150 women that come along to these events. So we've been running them now for seven years. And the best thing for me is watching people connect mm-hmm. and getting business from it. So they actually all walk away feeling a bit more uplifted and you bring in interesting speakers. And you can see everyone in the audience just nodding and going, taking notes and thinking oh that's great I didn't realise I could do this or someone else feels that this and this can help me and then they go away and they get their business connections so that's the the uplifting change as well and the road shows have worked really well um, for that so it's embracing people and bringing them all together. I think it's really interesting that you've linked um, confidence which is a huge issue for I think sometimes we make the mistake of always saying it, it's women I actually think like lots of men go through this as well you know real real lack of confidence issues um, but it does feed into understanding who you are and I think the more you know who you are the more you're able to then feel like you can use your voice or to, to feel able to speak out Ashley you mentioned that you were alone in your bedroom for quite a long time I take it your confidence was quite low at that point yeah um, it was I, I don't I don't really know what fully went on with me because you can't really pinpoint mental health but um I had undi- had undiagnosed autistic spectrum disorder um I-, I was very anxious and just going out of the house I had done my uni I had got through uni and I was like now I go into the big bad world and everywhere I applied I got rejected and um I was writing a script and I'd put my heart and soul into the script and they'd given me money for it and then they rejected it and it was just rejection after rejection after rejection with no real light in sight and it took me making my own content with a podcast with my mother that that I realised that I didn't have to rely on being hired by the only two production companies in Scotland do you know what I mean there was such a small field and it was either moved down to London away from my family and all that risk or just start something myself and it was starting something myself and realising that I was good just the way I was 
and then taking that control back. Uh -huh. Which is something that you've both done. Because I wonder whether there's some, that there's, it's the power in that. It's the power of framing how you do your every day. And, you know, one thing I decided to do this year was try and have a bit more creative freedom or financial freedom, however you want to put it. And part of that is taking that control yourself, isn't it? And deciding that you're going to do things yeah. on your own. Confidence isn't something you can actually go out and buy. It's a case of learning to believe in yourself. And I think as you get into more situations and you go to further meetings and then things start to happen and it's actually I got an email in last week from somebody in Edinburgh just to see how much they enjoyed reading the magazine and reading about women in business and she said I don't buy magazines anymore but this really uplifts me and carry on it's a great job but I think sometimes you don't take time out to actually say that was a really good job or I really yeah. appreciate that because we just take it for granted that people are okay and I think it's again going back to saying that was a really that was great, and the person will then feel better about themselves. And it's all about just feeling good about yourself. So maybe that's something we all need to take a bit more time to give some positive feedback because mm -hmm. I know it's much easier if you have a negative experience. I have them all the time on trains, and that's literally all I whinge about on Twitter. <laughs> it's all I post about. But maybe it is you know something we need to make a bit more of a conscious effort to do is to give positive feedback um ashley i know that you had some really nice positive feedback on uh, twitter from william shatner <laughs> i am loving this story <laughs> what one <laughs> is it the time when i went on a date and they tried to sabotage it for lols but this is true <laughs> yeah you have befriended william shatner <laughs> huge deal to me huge massive deal to me like i cannot express enough how much William Shatner knowing I exist matters to me. <laughs> Given that you've told us already about Star Trek and how much that means to you, uh -huh. I mean, yeah. It's, I, I, it's, it's Captain some Kirk. It's huge. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's massive and he'll write to me um, the first, do you know what was weirdly? He's like McLaren's and It's a Wonderful Life. Like he pops up at the worst times and just delivers a dose of niceness and it's so strange but like the first day of the Fringe last year, Fringe is the most stressful thing for a comedian ever. You you build up a whole year to do this hour show and in your head, I have panic dreams all the way leading up to the Fringe where horrific things happen, like my dog dies. And in my dream, I'll always say, oh, well, at least that's material for the Fringe. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how bad the Fringe is. <laughs> but even in my nightmares, I think, oh, I could do a Fringe show about this. That's how bad. And I get so anxious the first day of the Fringe. I had done a bit on STV and I had obviously come across as a nice young lady because it was about 40 really old wee ladies who came Aww. in to see my show. <laughs> and it was a very angry sort of feminist rant that I was doing this year and I was really they just didn't do I was they, they were like you it. were a lot nicer on the telly and it was <laughs> and then as soon as I came off stage I had a private message from them just saying oh how's your radio show and I was like yeah it's going really well thanks Mr Shatner <laughs> but it was just a little it's Lift. like say just that somebody taking an interest and in somebody being but I, I take a conscious effort now in the past year to especially other female comedians to to be, if they have a triumph or a success, to, to tell them how proud I am of them mm -hmm. and to let them know yeah. I'm really proud of you because I remember when my mother was coming up in stand-up comedy, there was often a feeling that other people's success was somehow another person's failure and I never ever want to be like that so like my friend London Hughes she's doing amazing just now she's one of the best comics in Britain and I tell her every time I see her I say I'm proud of you because I know that in comedy that's not a normal thing 
and and I, I think that it's something even if it's cringy and even if you feel embarrassed saying to somebody I'm, I'm so proud of you I think you should do it because it's it's great and I've made friends now from people who I barely knew just saying I'm so proud of how well you've done mm. and they're like oh my god nobody <laughs> says that thank you so much just that's across the that. board though isn't uh-huh. it it's just in general actually just somebody to come back and say to you you've done really well that was a great job mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you because it just makes you feel good but I think the worry is sometimes that it feels inauthentic or you, you worry that's what I do is the double guessing is if I say something nice will they think it's because of this or that I've got an ulterior motive and that's the stuff that I'm trying to you well know, that always makes sure I mean like, it that's, you should mm-hmm. mean it of course. You should, so it's if it, you should never worry. It's inauthentic because you know you're proud of that person. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you too. Oh, thank you, Pam. I'm proud <laughs> of you too, Lynn. Well, listen, we're all proud of each other. This is great. But it's it's no... moment. <laughs> is there a car under my seat? Because if there's not, I'm, I'm enough. But it's that feeling of of being able to know that you're confident enough in yourself to say mm-hmm. to somebody else who is doing better than you, worse than you, whatever well done because you know what it meant to you mm-hmm. and that's what got to you at the stage of actually going up in, in the fringe and having an hour comedy show so for somebody to say to you I'm really proud of you you know that that meant something to yeah. you so you want to pass that on to somebody else definitely so I think su- support does really really help I think when you, the more that you hear um, support from friends and uh, for, for me it's always my family like I love coming back up to Glasgow and getting a chance to spend time with my family because they make me feel like it's okay to be myself and it's you know that even though they don't agree mm. with everything that I say and my opinions that they just do not get me at all um, it's still always okay and I think letting people know that it's okay to, to say what they think and to as long as it's not something that's hurtful expressing yourself is a really healthy thing mm-hmm. to, to do I just wonder how you both cope with on stage because Lynn you, you're doing a lot of public speaking um, you do it on stage with the road shows you've been delivering many talks you're a Scottish Government advisor I mean how do you navigate the world of, of, of speaking on stage I'm not very good at it so that's my 2020 <laughs> resolution to actually go for more coaching well done so in smaller groups I'm actually okay um, but in the larger groups we were just having a chat about this earlier I'm not very good at it um, I can deliver and I can say what I need to say but apart from that I'm my I'm just churning inside, so I'm always like Mrs. Nervous. So it's um, it's something I'm going to um, improve You're this year. Work on. Yeah, I'm going to well, definitely work on this year. Ashley, you've been doing stand up since you were 13. 11. Oh, 11? Yeah. Oh my God. I retired when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> you retired because you wanted to go through puberty I in did. peace. <laughs> I had one bit bigger than the other, and I was very self conscious of it. <laughs> that did not even out as I had expected, but it's fine. <laughs> But, so, so maybe you could offer some some advice for being on stage. I'm the worst, but I love I love being on stage. I feel more human stood on a stage than I do anywhere else in the world. One to one, because I think it's because I'm very self analytical because of the uh, autistic spectrum disorder. So I'm always like make eye contact, make eye contact, make eye contact, and I have to remind myself. But on stage. I don't have to and it, it just feels very I have the best fun and I feel very free and I feel like I can say anything and I don't have that I know that a lot of people get the fear on stage of what if I say the wrong thing but mm-hmm. I have full trust in myself on stage and I don't know why do you know but but that but that's lovely to hear and I think we are all really different and you know what makes us nervous or the things that we feel like we need to improve on I actually think public speaking should be taught in schools it's something that I've been thinking about for such a long time because I think it's such an amazing skill to have 
uh-huh. and to be able to articulate yourself and, and overcome that fear. And there's definitely overcoming fear when it comes to using your voice anyway, whether that's online, on stage, you know, whether that is standing up in front of an audience or it's just in a group of friends or yeah. in, a, in a situation in a relationship to have the confidence and ability to, to speak out. Especially I, when you're that age, when you're school age yeah. and everything you do is, is cringy or embarrassing. Like everything. You're, uh, you're too worried that people are going to laugh at you. Yeah. So you're very aware of having a voice at that age because you don't want to be laughed at. Yeah, and that's why the it's always the kids who didn't fit in uh-huh. who were picked on become comedians. Because yeah. we're like, we've already had the worst thing happen. <laughs> yeah. We went through high school not being liked. Mm. Nothing is gonna be as bad as that. So it's fine. But it's it's I think you're right. I think young people learning mm-hmm. to speak and not being ashamed to say things I without it's the peers. number one fear that people have is, is public speaking and I know that that's not necessarily your fear Lynn but you know it's you want to get better you want to improve improve on it and um, there's a couple of books I was going to mention to you actually Ted talk like how to talk like Ted which really really uh-huh. helped me because it talks um it goes into like brain chemistry as well and why people have do, the fear do use their brain differently when you mm-hmm. when you communicate with anecdotes rather than with with information. Which if you've ever watched TED Talk, it's all about people's anecdotes and, and they share their experiences, which I know you're really into as well. That's yeah. how you like to, to, to communicate, Ashley. Um, but the other one was um, how to own the room, which is just like one of those books that you it, it's specifically for women because they identify that more women do have a problem with with speaking and public speaking. But it has helped me so much because you get lots of really I mean you're gonna laugh at this already I know I'm so I'm fearful of saying this in front of you actually <laughs> no, but like breathing techniques okay, no. oh yeah only into that yeah. into that okay well we all have to breathe <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do it every day it helps yes <laughs> but breathing techniques um, mantras things you tell yourself <laughs> so now she's laughing I knew I'd get you I knew do you I'd do power you. standing um, like this, like you push your shoulders like, back. Well, when they do that, when you know when you see politicians and they've got the, like the legs really wide and they've like got the power stance, where it looks like they're going to go into a split. <laughs> I love that. Start singing a musical yeah. number. Yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of that. It is like the, the poses and everything as well, but but it does teach you a lot about how to organise your thoughts. So like again in comedy, it's organising your thoughts in threes. Um, you know, look, there's some, there's some really really interesting information there. I'll hook you up. I'm wondering now about times where um, maybe in your in your work life you've experienced things that have made you either want to speak out or wish that you had that you had spoken out more. And actually, one, one of the things I want to speak to you about, Ashley, was the number of times that you've been sacked. <laughs> okay, you've been cool. sacked a lot. I have lost <laughs> so many jobs through shenanigans. All shenanigan-based sackings. Never, never that I was like late or bad. It was all because I go, I would get bored and I would either do a character from day one, and then they would find me out. Or so what do you mean do a character? Though? Like I talk like that. I mean, like, hello, governor. I'm the new staff member. <laughs> <laughs> you basically entertain yourself. You'd have like a Truman show every day. Every day. I used to work for a city council as their caterer, and I did so as a character for six months until I got caught because I was out in town with my friends and one of the um, the Lord Provost staff <laughs> saw me and I was not talking in the accent that I had 
had in the kitchen. And you couldn't play Long Lost Twin? No, no. no. <laughs> I, I had, at that point, I was just like, oh, oh well. Um, I used to work for a lawyer's office and I decided they had a big meeting with the Japanese and it was a sitcom <laughs> and I made a giant pyramid out of Coke cans on the desk. And I was like, help yourself to beverage when we walked in. It's quite artistic. Yeah, but when that you took one, arty. the whole thing fell. Oh, right. Like dominoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got sacked from there. And I take it you just took the sacking when they... when they. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah. They, but you know what? I meet people to this day who are like, I remember you. And you cheered us up. And I'm like, that wasn't Better my to job. to be remembered than, yeah. not, than not at all. That's what they say. And I, I, I was a temp. I was getting sent places to go and fill in. I, I knew it wasn't permanent, so I thought it was a good opportunity to stretch my acting muscles and do a big character. <laughs> I mean, Lynn, I'm going to assume that you've never gone into work in character. <laughs> Maybe you're playing no, just one me, night. just me. <laughs> playing one night, who knows? But have have you ever found yourself in sort of work situations where you've you've not been able to 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 say what you think? Uh, no, my jobs have been really varied. I've I've had the very um, op- fortunate opportunity of being in jobs at the time twenty odd years ago. It was freelance work working at STV BBC, so it was very transient in between contracts and working in programmes, and then working in interiors magazines and out and about. I I realised at an early age that I don't think I'd be very good sitting in an office nine to five. And I just couldn't do it. So I've probably chosen a career path that's made me um, so that I'm not in the office. Let's put it that way. So even with the job that I'm in at the moment, I'm out and about and events and meeting people, running roadshows and various things. So it's good for me. So um, I'd probably be a bit like Ashley and <laughs> develop a kind of a second character just to keep myself <laughs> sane in the office. It is, it's just uh-huh. a, like a, I've worked in call centres. Oh, it's, that would be it's, it's dire soul so, destroying. And it was cold calling, so mm-hmm. I would like try a different voice every call I would oh, do would you? Oh, just to see great. if I could do it. And I remember once, I don't know if it was really him, but it's What's your Vic best Reeves. accent? Vic Reeves? Uh-huh. Did <laughs> you try and do his voice? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember, but I just remember being like, oh, I wonder if it is Vic Reeves. And I was like, hello, would you like will writing services? And he was like, no. And then that was that. <laughs> We're trying to sell a water cooler or something. <laughs> I don't know. I used to talk in a very convincing American accent when I was little because my parents worked, so I would just be sat in front of cartoons. And I remember my parents taking me on holiday to Jamaica and I was maybe seven or eight and my parents had decided to renew their vows despite hating each other <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> we still laugh about it. It was a big waste of money, but it was a fun holiday. And um, I pretended I was American for the whole holiday. And then an American was like, how did you get Scottish parents? Where did this come from? And I was like, they kidnapped me. And I almost created an incident until my mother forced me in front of all the people she was like speak in your normal voice and I was like oh, I was just pretending you're one of those kids that we see on the M8 when <laughs> yes. there's a car in front that's got a poster up the oh. back saying help <laughs> yeah. I would constantly pretend that my mother wasn't my mum yeah. um, just for lols <laughs> Still trying potentially. No, there's no getting away no, that, from no, this. No, I'm literally her face on a stretched body. <laughs> I know what I am. So, Lynn, um, what what do you think that we need to talk about more? What are the topics that you think are the biggest? Not just for 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 women, but right now, what are the things that you think we need to start using our voice about? Things that um, confidence. Going back to confidence again, it's one thing that it's constantly brought up. I think people should be honest about how they feel, things that they feel that might be holding them back from 
improving their work life or their personal life. I think we all hide behind this mask sometimes and or we sit behind a computer and we don't actually go out and meet people enough anymore because we're basically just hiding. So I think people should just be more open about what they require. It's like a facade really, uh-huh. that, we, that we have and we feel like, especially the posts on social media, I know we talk a lot about social media and I saw a study recently about the reasons why we post and what we're looking for and you know how it makes us feel if we don't get enough likes or um, you know if you do get negative comments. And I think there's a, you know, maybe we, we do need to just be a bit more honest. I'm having a, I'm having a bad day. Yeah, there's certain business people that you listen and you, and you you know where they started and then they actually they get to the end point when they've sold a business for their billions and they don't actually tell the truth of actually how they managed to get there. And that's really what people want to hear because mm-hmm. if somebody's setting up a business on their own, they're taking the risk, they're finding the finance, they're making it all happen, they're trying to pull a team of people together. And actually, if you know the risks and you actually hear the true story, then you would actually go oh actually this isn't too bad actually I'm really interested do you consider yourself a businesswoman because it's interesting that being in the in the work that you're in I'm it's a weird one I'm self-employed I'm always I'm always self-employed like even the work I do at the BBC I'm an independent I'm not hired by them I'm an independent contractor and that's very important to me for some reason to be my own boss but it's something that I'm really keen on moving forward i really want to set up my own online production house to make videos for other people and help them work out how stuff works online and and to give them a better opportunity than just a phone mm-hmm. um and i think that there's there's great companies based out of america that um work on youtube like um, rooster teeth is a great example of it which they basically own loads of other youtube channels and they help produce and people are on a salary and it's it's more regulated and business-like and I think there's a great opportunity in the UK to do something like that and there's nobody really doing that. There's nobody helping curate and and fashion online content to be better yeah. than just that. So it is something that I think about a lot, but I, I don't think I'm a business lady, even though I do my taxes. <laughs> HMRC, just FYI. Yeah, oh no, does, they got, I got my biggest tax bill this year and I was so proud. I was <laughs> like, this is really, I have to go to the bank to pay them. Actually, one of the things that you talk a lot about is um, the uncomfortable things yeah. and you like getting right well, underneath the skin, scab. don't you? Oh, I you do. do. I love it. You I, do. I enjoy it thoroughly. It's something I love being your pal who says that thing that that nobody's talked about, and it makes me feel great. The things that we're not supposed to talk about, and the things because it's all stuff that I myself have sat there and been like, "Is this normal? Is mm-hmm. this?" Or I wish I'd asked that question. Everyone else will think that in the audience. <laughs> because you've got some gigs coming up soon, Ashley, don't you? You're going to be performing at the Glasgow Comedy Festival. You're at the stand. Oh, I in March. Yep, that's true. So you've got March the nineteenth <laughs> and March the twenty-first, and it's at nine thirty p.m. on the nineteenth, eight thirty p.m. on the twenty-first. I am. I'm not doing the fringe this year, so it's going to be a very oh. free experience to be able to do the Glasgow Comedy Festival that isn't a preview for the Fringe. Oh nice, so what what's the content within the show? I'm very excited, I'm going to do some of the jokes that I've done in the past that I've refined since I originally did them at the Glasgow Comedy Festival because I always do it back to front, comedians usually mm-hmm. do their last year's Fringe show for the last time at the Comedy Festival in Glasgow whereas I usually do for the first time my Edinburgh Fringe show 
and that's where I workshop it and where I experiment. And so there's jokes that I've done at Glasgow Comedy Festival that I've never really had their proper finished oh, shine. Yes. I feel yeah. quite, quite panicked thinking about this. You on stage and doing your new show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice shiny show. Uh-huh. And I, I, I want to include some of my online content oh, and my characters and um, talk about the aftermath of I did a show about smear tests and how important they are and all the women who have contacted me since then and there's going to be some callbacks. You've got a couple of things coming up as well, don't you? You've got some events, and one of them is the BWS Awards, which are on the 1st of May. Yes, that's for... Now, this is a bit of a mouthful. Women, Hospitality, Tourism, Food and Drink. So, really good. This is their fourth year of the awards, and the overall winner wins a HIT scholarship, which stands for Hospitality Industry Trust. So, the overall winner could have a chance of going to Lausanne Catering School in Switzerland, which is a six-star catering school or they could go to Walt Disney School. There's so many opportunities for this individual to go away, get brilliant skills to further them in their career. I mean, it's and are the tickets still available? Yes, uh-huh. It's applications are still open until the middle of March. Fantastic. Giovanna is climbing Kilimanjaro. I saw this online when I was researching. So that. we're having a wee um, kind of late afternoon get together to celebrate women in business also just to promote the awards for mm-hmm. women hospitality tourism because she's a real kind of pioneer for that as well but she's raising money for hit scotland for the andrew fairley scholarship so um andrew was two michelin star chef at right. glen eagles so very good friend of Giovanna's, a very good friend of mine known her for years so i'm this is my bit of supporting i'm not claiming kilimanjaro <laughs> I'm doing the nice bit and the warmth and a glass of wine and nice food. Oh, you've got it right. You've got it right. We could walk up that hill near the old rotten (laughs) rope. That's a difficult hill. I know. Very challenging. So you've both got plenty coming up um, in the next couple of months. Um, It's been really nice to speak to you both about this because I think that you've both got really distinctive voices as well and coming from very different backgrounds. The one thing I did want to do, and as we do at the end of every podcast, is ask for a few of the things that maybe you wish that you'd said. So whether that's inspirational quotes, whether it's things you've heard in films or things that people have said. Um, what do you wish you'd said, Lynn? I've been thinking about this since you'd actually sent this email out and I really don't genuinely have anything I wished I had said. Um, I have listened to lots of things and sometimes I wish I had more of a voice and probably stuck up for myself in certain situations. I was with uh, one of our speakers yesterday and she came away with an amazing, well, it made me laugh, any amazing quote. So one of her mentors was, um, he was a monk and he was trying to kind of say to her, look, life is okay, you've got to live in the moment and take things easy. So when you're washing those dishes, just go away and remember, just wash those dishes. And I started to laugh at that and I thought it was such a simple <laughs> thing to actually say. And this girl, who's one of her uh, speakers, she commands an audience of thousands of people down to the O2, but she just said, just go wash those dishes, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> so I, well, that's what we're taking away from <laughs> So every time I meet somebody, I take away different bits of information, different, not mantras, mm-hmm. but just... I think that's why it's a great thing of when you go to meet different women in business because everyone has a certain thing they would say. So 
Mr. Fairley at Glen Eagles used to say to me, never eat anything bigger than your face, Lynn. So now I've got that in my head every time I go out for dinner. Such good advice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even business advice, it's just, just good advice. Just, just good advice. Just life advice. Uh-huh. What about you, Ashley? Things you wish you'd said. I do wish I could go back to me when I was 13, 14, 15, very self-conscious, very desperate to be liked by the popular girls. And I wish I could go back and jump into my wee body and be the person I am today and turn around to them and say, see, the day you start to like me is the day I'll start to judge myself. Because they people who don't like you, the day they like you, worry about who you are as a person. Because I'm glad. I'm glad now that they never liked me. Because You wouldn't be the person you are today. I wouldn't be the person Mm -hmm. I am today. And I'm glad I never let that peer pressure wear me down to pretend to be somebody because I, I look at people now who I grew up with and I remember them saying cruel things and I know that they were just saying that so they could feel like they fit in yeah, and absolutely. I would have that regret. The thing my mum used to tell me was it's character building hen, it's character right. building it'll be good to it's be. It's always character right building about that one day. But you never, the thing is though you never give up and I think that's the main thing you've always got to learn is you never mm. give up on a situation you just keep going forward because the day you give up is the day they, they won yeah, yeah. oh a hundred percent well oh. i had a real think about this as well and there was um there was once that a colleague explained a, a male colleague mansplained my idea in a meeting and i just and i let him and it really annoys me that i let him and i wish that it said if you're going to be a smart ass first you have to be smart otherwise you're just an ass Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I do like that that's one. A good one. It's a bit sassy as well. Uh-huh. I do like, I do like a wee sassy, sassy one. Yeah. Uh, just before we go, I did see one thing on Twitter about um, the fact that you weren't able to speak out when your mum stole your Polly Pocket from you. <gasps> Rage. So I thought I'd bring in mine. No way! And we could have a wee play, because it's Lynn's you birthday. You told me and I would have brought my dolls. But you I've just got dolls. You don't know the story. My mum made me give away my Polly Pocket collection to my little cousins, and I... I don't even know what this is. I'm, oh. a, ge- I'm a generation way too old now. Right, so you open them, so we've got three. I dolls out of them, oh, and I hid them in a box, and my cousins got the Polly Pockets but didn't get the dolls to play along with uh-huh. them, and I've kept them for years in a drawer with my old teeth. <laughs> Eventually, those milk teeth fell out. This is, oh, it's the wedding one. Yeah, the, oh, there's it a wedding. Was lovely, one. the doors opened. And, Look oh. at this, and it's got, got a very ring fancy well. jewel. I've still got the ring in it. Oh, People are going to think we're sponsored by Polly Pocket now. I, it, Polly Pocket, I mean, I'm. I don't, I have not, not se- genuinely it, not seen this before. What was, it? what was your toy? So much fun. When you well, were... when I was younger, we had Weebles. So Weebles, Weebles wobble, but never yeah. fall down. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Weebles wobble, they never fall down. And it was always, I wasn't a girly girl with all the the kind of, my mum really wanted me to be a girly girl. I was much more my, my brother and action men and <laughs> going outside and getting kind of dirty and climbing trees and things. This was I had the so castle of Grayskull, I have to admit, but I did was, also like, po- like a wee Polly Pocket. But, she, but this Polly Pocket is quite... Um, well, I just thought I'd bring well. it in for you to play with, and obviously yeah, I know it's your, your birthday's coming up as well, Lynn. So I thought we could, <laughs> I thought we played it. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's as long so... as you bring in a wee cake, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so lovely to meet you both. Thank you so so much for your time, and thank you for coming in. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening. Do you wish that you'd said something to someone at some time? Do you have a witty comeback or a quote from a film? We'll let the hindsight version of you have their say. We'd also love to hear any of your inspirational quotes and read them out next time. So get in touch on Twitter at TVZaraJ using the hashtag AskForMore. See you soon. Bye, guys.